Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. I'm on a mission to help you create your ideal business lifestyle. As a business strategist and executive leadership coach, I help my clients get their businesses under control, grow themselves and their teams so that the business works for them and their team so they can enjoy more money, more time and less stress. And if you'd like to know more, I invite you to visit ShirleyDalton.com. In my role as radio and TV show host, I bring you additional experts to help you improve your business and your life. And today we're talking with intellectual property attorney and innovation strategist, Steve Sponsella. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Shirley. Uh, it's great to be here today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because it's uh, an area that I don't know much about. You know, we, we all use the word or the letters IP, intellectual property, but I'm sure many of us don't understand what that is and, and also innovation. So uh, we'll get into that a little later. So Steve, you've over 25 years experience working with technology companies. You've created well-defined innovation strategies that are supported by strong intellectual property portfolios. And as I mentioned, we'll get into the difference between innovation and IP a little later on. You've worked with over a thousand business leaders and inventors from startups to the largest technology companies in the world, including Intel, HP, Microsoft, eBay and SAP. And you've been featured in the magazine Entrepreneur and the Huffington Post. And your mission is to teach entrepreneurs and business leaders how to discover and profit from the innovative ideas hidden throughout their organisation. So, Steve, first things first for our listeners, what's the difference between innovation and intellectual property? And then how does intellectual property fit within an innovation strategy? Mm -hmm, certainly. So innovation is, at least the way I think of it, and quite a few different definitions, but it's a new idea. It's it's a new process. Uh, it's a new product. Uh, it's a new way of doing business. So it, it may or may not be a, a revolutionary new invention. So an innovation may be something that's really valuable and really profitable to your particular company, and it's a big change in your current product line or a, a big change in the way you've done business to that point. But <clears throat> where then intellectual property is a form of protection. So the, the key areas, the key types of intellectual property would be patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets. So when you come up with these new ideas, uh, the, these innovations, some of them, if they're critical enough to your company and they have the right characteristics, you can protect those uh, through intellectual property. So intellectual property is the, the protection component for these innovative ideas. and Certain types of innovations, such as a technology innovation, you might be able to patent if it's new enough and unique enough, um, or if it, if you come up with a new process or a new product that has a really clever name, or a logo or something to go with it, you might be able to protect that with a trademark, so that other people don't copy that that name or that logo, and then other types of just documents that you create, whether it's user manuals or 
um, other presentation materials that you use or that you sell, um, copyrights, you know, that form of intellectual property can protect those types of uh, innovations or new ideas. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. That's pretty clear. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, for the way that you explained that there, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I get that. So an innovation is a, a new idea or a new product or service, and you said it doesn't have to necessarily be revolutionary, um, but in essence, it becomes very valuable to the company. And so if it's valuable, then it stands to reason that you would want to protect that so that not everybody else can go and copy that or uh, start using it. Exactly. Yeah, we've, if you've put in the time and the effort to, to identify problems and then solve them, come up with some innovative ideas that, that solve those problems, and that's something then that goes into your product line or that you sell as a service, then yeah, you definitely want to protect it as best you can because you invested the time, the money, the resources to develop it and then perhaps test it in the marketplace. You don't want to just hand that over to somebody else to copy um, who didn't have to put in all the effort that you did. Yeah, I, I was at a conference earlier this week and um, one of the participants there had come up with a name for one of her products and she said, I found that it had been trademarked somewhere and the person said, look, I'm not a lawyer, don't touch it, <laughs> find another name. <laughs> he said, yeah, he said you, yeah, the last, last thing you want is a, you know, a letter from the, the attorney saying, you know, stop it. Yeah, there are a lot of other names out there and... Plenty of them are taken, but yeah, if you find something that somebody else has already trademarked and they're using it in the same way that you plan to, uh, yeah, you're just opening yourself up for uh, for headaches down the road that and, and disruption in your business that you don't want. Yeah. Okay. So, so Steve, how did you get into doing what you do? I ever since I was a kid, I've loved kind of creating things and building things. I played with Lego and all those, those toys when I was a kid, and my dad had a wood shop in our basement. So there's always lots, lots of fun stuff I could create in there. And because of that, and when I got into high school, I just kind of became obsessed with computers. They were home computers were relatively new at that time. And I wanted to go on and become an electrical engineer, a computer engineer. My dad was an electrical engineer, so I kind of followed in his footsteps. And, and I did that. I got a degree in electrical engineering and worked as a design engineer for several years. And just realized that wasn't quite right for me. I love the creative part of the job, but I spent most of my time kind of debugging things or trying to find little problems here or there, which to me wasn't that creative. So that's when I went to law school to specifically to study intellectual property law. And that's been a really good combination because I get to work with a lot of high tech companies and companies that are you know, making the next generation of, of really cool products and services. And because I have the engineering degree, I can understand the technology and what they're working on. But then it also fuels my kind of my creativity, my desire to to help work with these these brilliant people and and help even contribute a little bit to their design process. And it, it's just it's a nice balance for me. And over the last several years, I've been shifting a little bit more towards kind of the the strategies that it takes to really build a strong innovation strategy, which has a, a really good intellectual property component to it, and helping these companies build a uh, an innovation, or, sorry, an intellectual property portfolio of patents and trademarks that are going to protect what they're doing now and give them a strong position moving forward as their company grows and their products evolve. So it's 
it, it, it's that creativity I've I've just loved. It just gives me energy that I've done since I was a kid, and I still get to do it today as a grown up. I love that, and what you were saying there, it does, it really does uh, combine all of the experience and your uh, passion and enthusiasm for the creativity. Plus, um, you know, I, I do a lot of business systems work with companies, and um, sometimes in the technology, that's just not my area. You know, I have to pass that on because <laughs> I don't get it. So, so it's really good that you you get that, and you're able to have those conversations and understand what they're doing. Um, so you, you really are combining that. Why is it important for businesses to have a well-defined innovation strategy? And, and I just want to go back on a, a point there too for our listeners. So having an innovation strategy applies to all businesses, not just the technology ones. So I just want to make sure that, you know, you don't tune out and say, oh, well, you know, I'm in, in the hairdressing industry and we don't have a lot of technology, so that doesn't apply. Now it does apply. So Steve, tell us about um, what an innovation strategy is and why it's important for businesses to have one. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. In every company, can can benefit from innovation and and having an innovation strategy. It's not just the the technology companies. So an innovation strategy is is really kind of a, a system. So you've got a lot of people in your organization, and you have issues or problems to solve. And by getting having a strategy or a system to identify those problems, and then get together some some groups of people from your organization. And it could be from different parts of the organization, from your customer service, from sales, from different areas, because everybody has, we're all unique. We all have different experiences and different backgrounds. And your different people in your organization are going to have different types of interactions with your customers. So by putting into, together a system where you can get people together, do some brainstorming to solve some issues or come up with some innovative ideas, whether it's for an internal business procedure or maybe the way you interact with your customers or a new product or service. It's, <clears throat> it helps your company and gives you a kind of a steady flow of ideas that you can take a look at and evaluate. It, and it's a systematic approach instead of kind of what I call haphazard innovation or accidental in innovation where somebody just wakes up one morning and it's like, hey, I've got an idea for this. <laughs> there's more structure to it and, and it gets your whole team involved so it kind of gets people thinking about innovation and when a problem comes up instead of them complaining about it or, or groaning about it around the water cooler or the coffee machine um, can change the mindset a little bit or have some activities where we can look at those issues and try and find solutions try and you know, adjust something in your business adjust something in your product um, whatever it might be to make a better customer experience uh, to make a better product, more efficient, um, things like that. So can you give us an example then of um, what would be a well-defined innovation strategy? Is that something like setting up a meeting once a month or once a, uh, every couple of weeks or is it a suggestion box? Uh, can you give us an example? Well, <clears throat> it starts with some kind of an activity and kind of how frequently you want to do it. It depends on, on your organization and maybe what other activities you're already doing, but but a monthly or a quarterly get-together, especially in some smaller groups. It doesn't have to be company-wide. But to be sure that you're getting some of the people who are can see the problems, maybe your customer service people, and then the people that can maybe help solve those problems, to, to get the ideas together, the, 
the problem solvers to take a look at the problems or the issues and and just do it I typically recommend kind of slow at first because if you try and roll out a big program like this it seems like you get a lot of resistance but you start with some smaller groups and define a kind of a process for let's identify some ideas get them recorded we'll schedule a meeting to do some brainstorming on those and then can, can evaluate them afterwards and see which ones make the most sense to implement. Okay, that sounds really, really cool. Um, sounds, in a loose way, similar to what I do when I do the business systems consultancy, I'm really facilitating the people to come up with the systems and so part of what you're talking about with the innovation is that it, it could be internal business processes or it could be fixing a problem that you've noticed with customer service, uh, could be anything within the business. So I love the idea there that you're saying that you, you actually create a process around this, you have a strategy for it. So. Um, Listeners, think about that in your business, you know, I, and I'm laughing because I know a lot of entrepreneurs do exactly what Steve said and that is that they wake up in the morning and go, ah, oh, okay, here's a problem, bang, and, and here's what I'm going to do to fix it without necessarily consulting the very people in your organisation who could actually give you a solution because oftentimes what I find is that the entrepreneur's solution it doesn't really match, you know, it, it's not that great to implement and so I love that you're looking at this as a, as a company-wide strategy. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to be looking at when companies need to start thinking about protecting their intellectual property. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, at ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, today we're talking about innovation as it applies to you and your company and we're also talking about protecting your intellectual property and of course we're speaking with intellectual property attorney and innovation strategist Steve Sponseller. Now, we were going to be looking at thinking about protecting your intellectual property but there's a couple of other things that we want to say about your innovation strategy and then we'll come back to intellectual property. So Steve, for companies that don't have an innovation strategy yet, what's the best way for them to get started? 
what, what I found works really well is, you know, as I had mentioned at the end of the last segment, instead of trying to roll out something across the whole company, which can, can meet some resistance, um, start with a small group. We'll often start with just a single, uh, we call them innovation groups, and we pick six or eight people and from different parts of the company. So we obviously have somebody, if it's a technical company, somebody from the development team or the engineering team, but then also people from the, the sales team because they have some direct interaction with both current customers and prospective customers, and your customer support team because they are great at identifying some of the problems or misunderstandings with current customers, and then also from the marketing team and, and maybe the product development group and the executives, just, just so you get a kind of a, a cross-section of the company because you get a lot better collection of ideas and a much more diverse uh, set of viewpoints and experiences and, and the different customer interactions, different types of customer feedback and customer information that these different roles within your company can provide. Mm -hmm. So, so do you appoint a chairperson? Do you have an agenda if we're going to have a meeting or do we just start having a chat? Typically, we, we schedule out a series of meetings. So there was one we did recently, and the, the group was defined, uh, planned to work for about two months, and had a meeting once a week for about an hour, and I helped facilitate a couple of them, and then other people with the company facilitated others. But we worked through a process where uh, sometimes a group is tasked with solving a particular problem, and then other times in the first meeting, their goal is to identify some problems. So the case here was the company management had two or three kind of key problems that they had identified with their dealing with their customers. So those were kind of the seed ideas that we started with. And the group got to discuss all three of those at the first meeting, and then we picked one to kind of run with. And then the meetings were more the very the next meeting after that, once we picked the idea was to come up with some broad ideas. What, what are some broad approaches to, to solving this problem? And then the meetings after that would just get a little bit more specific. We'd rule out some ideas, do a little bit of research in between to see which ones maybe make the most sense to implement and which ones just aren't viable. <laughs> and and just kind of, re, kind of refine that list down, get some get feedback from management and from the product development to see you know, what can you really do. And, and then at the end of the eight weeks, they had come up with uh, two really good ideas, and then the management took a look at it, and they actually did implement one of them. And, and one of them, it was a change to an internal business procedure. It was, this was a utility company, public utility company. And the decision was to cancel this one type of service because it was causing more headaches for the customers. Not, not, not the utility service, but it was a type of billing service that they were offering that they thought was helpful to the customers, but as everybody worked through this, they found some better ways to accomplish the same end result, to provide the same benefit to the customer, but not have this really kind of confusing <laughs> um, system that they were trying to implement was just frustrating the customers. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm getting from the conversation today is that it, it's sort of making it not only okay, but actually encouraging people to come forward with issues that they might be identifying from whatever department they are in their business. I, I can remember when I was working in the franchise organisation and 
we had to send out uh, supplies to the franchisees and they would be complaining when I very first started, um, you know, you keep sending it to the wrong address. And, and so I went down to the dispatch guy and I said, you know, what's happening here? And he said, well, they're giving us a postal address and we can't send a parcel to a postal address. And I said, oh, okay, well, <laughs> well, that's easy. I'll just get their preference. And so because some of them didn't have a mailbox at their business, so they would want mm -hmm. the, the parcels to be sent to their home address. And, um, you know, it, it, it was an easy fixed problem. But uh, what I'm hearing from you is to, to make it okay to be looking for the issues and then to be having some structured process to be able to solve them. Exactly, and, and to get the right people communicating. So if the customer service people um, never talk to the developers, you know, I, we had this situation where customers were continually getting confused when they were first setting up this piece of software because it just it wasn't the screen describing what they needed to do next it was confusing to a lot of customers. Well, so customer service was continually walking people through this problem every time, and these are brand new customers just starting to use the product, and it was a simple fix by the developers. All they had to do was go in and reword the screen a little bit and change the way they laid out some of the fields that the user filled in and it made it a lot more just intuitive. But until you got those two different groups to talk and somebody <laughs> get them to communicate, it, it just kept being a customer service headache. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine the customer service people would then be whinging and complaining about the product development. Ah, oh, they can't make a proper product. Da, da, da. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, so uh, what are the three critical parts of an innovation strategy? There's three, I call them the three P's of mm -hmm. innovation. It's, it's the products. It can also be services if that's the industry you're in. But it's the products, the people, and the protection. The mm -hmm. protection is the intellectual property. So to develop, to, to keep your products at the cutting edge, to keep adding new features or even developing brand new products or services if that's your industry, you need this steady flow of ideas. That, that's what the innovation strategy is going to provide is you need the mechanism to get these ideas so you can keep keep your product exciting and new and have the latest features that everybody's talking about on social media. And the people part is, is what we've also we've been talking about is getting people throughout the organization in the different groups communicating to help come up with these ideas or to solve problems or correct issues and putting in place either the small group meetings to start with, the innovation groups, or creating some, some larger activities or innovation contests, things like that to get it more throughout the company and just get people thinking about innovation and coming up with ideas and, and, and management saying that it's okay to do that. And then protecting them. When you have these ideas, uh, the ones that you're implementing or the ones that have uh, a really high value down the road to your company, you know, looking at ways to protect those ideas if it's possible and, and being strategic about it, not just saying, well, we have to file five patent applications this quarter, if that is the goal, that's fine. Let's look at all the ideas and do it from a, a strategic standpoint. Or if you're looking at trademarks, um, be, be smart about it and look at what's going to benefit the company today, but then also what kind of intellectual property assets will really give the company a lot of value down the road as well. Okay. 
All right, well, um, one of the things that we want to talk about too is some of these fun activities that help generate ideas. But I think what we'll do is we'll have a, a short break because I don't want to cut you off in, in the middle of that. I'm sure our listeners want to know that. Uh, so we're going to take a short break. Stay with us and we'll be right back. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, at ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, have you been thinking about your company and ways that you can improve it, ways that you can get your team communicating with each other so that you can solve problems and uh, really increase the profitability and the productivity of your company? So we were talking before about the three critical parts of an innovation strategy and that was the three Ps, the product, the people and the protection. And so the product or the service is to come up with a new idea the people part is to have that communication between different divisions within your company and then the protection is looking strategically at the intellectual property that you need to protect, maybe now, maybe for the future, so that um, you know the assets that you've got give you the value uh, down the line and into the future. So Steve, you've mentioned that, that you can come up with innovative ideas through some fun activities. So can you share a few of those with our listeners, please? Sure. <clears throat> so there's these things called some innovation contests that, that we've tried. And uh, there's one particular company we did this with. I'll kind of use them as an example as I go through this. Before we started doing these activities, we would go in and they had what they called brainstorming luncheons. They would only invite the engineers. They didn't invite the rest of the team. And the engineers hated it. <laughs> they would grumble whenever they heard about it. And then, so then here I am coming in as an outside attorney and, and they already don't like me. <laughs> but you know, those me the idea was the, the pizza was to lure them into the meeting for lunch. And so we could talk to them and see what they're working on and do a little brainstorming. But you know, as soon as that last slice of pizza was gone, so were all the engineers. They were, they were back to work. So it's we knew we had to do something different. So we worked with a company and they already had a fairly large uh, innovation program, so they'd already rolled out some different groups. So we did an innovation contest, and it was part of a day, and we put people together, again, in, in teams, about six or eight people, 
in each group. And we got people from different parts of the company. So again, we would have the, the diversity of, of viewpoints and different types of client interaction. And it was about a three hour session, but their idea was, or their goal was to kind of form as a team. They got to meet some people from other parts of the company, but to come up with ideas. And the very first thing we made them do to kind of get the creativity flowing was come up with a clever team name. And they were had a point system. So they had some different judges, which are some of the executives from the company. And they would judge the team names and the team with the best name got a few points. And they kept tallying these points during the day. So once the team had the idea, or I mean, sorry, had their name, then each group kind of had their own little work area. And their first task was to come up with problems or issues that they saw with the company's products or their internal procedures. And again, they got points for who came up with the best or the most kind of enlightened uh, problems or recognized uh, some critical things to help the company. And, and then we went on as the day went on to identify a lot of different solutions to those problems. And <clears throat> again, they got some awards for the most creative solution, the most uh, the craziest problem that somebody identified and things like that. And it was a it was a kind of a team building exercise within these groups. And the other thing that that we notice is after the event's done, people's creativity and you know they've been thinking about these problems for uh, several hours. The brain doesn't just turn off, it keeps kind of working on those. So we would have a whole stream of not only the ideas that we had create, collected during the contest itself, but for the next days and several weeks, there'll be more ideas coming in. It's like, hey, I thought of another way to do this, or we thought of this solution, but here's another way to tweak it. So it was a really powerful um, event. And we also put together some some fun prizes, and that's what, what really helped motivate um, the mm -hmm. people with the contest. <clears throat> and, and the one uh, way to make sure you're getting prizes that are going to motivate people to, to show up and participate is what we found is we asked them ahead of time. We let people know we were having a special company event. There were going to be some prizes. And what did people really want? And, of course, we had to <laughs> select prizes within reason. <laughs> but um, one of them, and this actually wasn't a, a, a customer, uh, employee idea, it was, it was one of the managers, but we had some, some interesting prizes, some of them like just dinner and a movie, so gift certificates for that for, for two, and, and those were very popular. But there's one item that people got for coming up with the most ideas and some of the most potentially valuable ideas, and it was a custom embroidered jacket. Mm -hmm. They loved the idea of, you know, this was not something you could buy anywhere else. They were specially made for this event and then for some future events. But it said, you know, the company name. So it said ABC Inventor Club or ABC Innovator Club. And those are really prized possessions. That's it was a it was a status symbol and, and it worked really well. Okay. And you were telling me in the break that there was a, one particular person who won that and something happened to them. Yes, they it was several months later. Um, I was at the company again and meeting with a, a group of inventors because we were working on a couple of patent applications for some of their inventions. And one of the inventors was the person who 
got one of those jackets at the original uh, innovation contest, but he lost it. He <laughs> said, well, what do I have to do to get another one? And he was kind of being a little reserved about it. We're like, oh, how'd you lose it? And at first he didn't want to tell us, and he finally said he was playing poker, and there was a, it was a call, and everybody had to you know match the amount of money in the in the pot, and he didn't have enough, so somebody talked him into putting in his jacket to oh. make up the difference in the pot, and of course he lost. So oh. so he he lost his jacket in a poker game and wanted to figure out how to get another, and then by that time the company had a a new policy that if you had filed a certain number of patent applications, you would also qualify for a jacket. So. When we got done with that project, he'd had, had enough so that he could get a, another jacket and maintain his uh, status level. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that story. And and you certainly got engagement. You certainly got buy-in with that. Yeah, so the next time we announced an innovation contest, they were actually excited about it and looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, and as you were describing the engineers and the pizza, you know, I, I, I could feel my heart reaching out because there's there's nothing worse when you want to put on a, a bit of a team event and brainstorm and nobody wants to come, and so you certainly did manage to turn that around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it too. It's it fun to see the ideas come out of that kind of activity. Yeah. So, so just to wrap that up then, why would you say is it important to create an innovation? Uh, in a vulture, an innovation culture. Going back to part of what we talked about earlier, instead of people being afraid to bring up problems or thinking if they identify a problem, all of a sudden it's going to be more work dumped on them, it's it's getting people to recognize that, that there's likely a solution to these problems and that everybody in the organization can contribute to that solution, even if they don't, they may not be a technical person who can actually implement the solution, but they can certainly provide some ideas and, and move the process along. But it's a chance, it gives the organization a lot better flow of ideas, a little more diverse ideas, and it, it kind of gets into people's mindset. They're, mm-hmm. just, they're thinking about innovation. They they see problems or issues or you know, they read an article on social media about their industry and it's like, oh, this industry is not working well because of this problem. Instead of worrying, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job, our company's going to fail, they're like, okay, we can solve that. So they get this mindset of coming up with ideas and seeing these, what used to be obstacles or problems, as opportunities. It's an opportunity to come up with an innovative solution that can strengthen strengthen the company and, and grow your revenue, create new products, things like that. So it's this creativity mindset a lot of really successful companies have and kind of gives them a, a whole bunch of ideas to sort through and figure out you know, what's the best for their company mm-hmm. at that time, what's going what's gonna to keep them on that uh, growth curve. Uh, now, I'm not sure if this is true, but I've, I've heard that, um, I think it was Google, where people are allowed to work on a pro- project that they're interested in you know, for a certain percentage of time. Obviously, the company owns the the work that they're doing, but that is is really, in a way, being innovative. You know, coming up with something. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've read articles. I don't I don't work with Google, but I've read articles about that, and it's often around 20% of their time, so almost a day a week, that they can spend, maybe not on their exact job projects, but but other types of projects, kind of daydreaming. Some people would say. <laughs> 
but but thinking up some different ideas and doing something creative. So especially for companies like Google, where they have a lot of you know, bright technical people, and it, by keeping pro providing that kind of an environment, it, it helps them retain their employees mm. because you know, uh, people want to be rewarded for their thinking. They want to be recognized. And if you give people 20% of their time to think, uh, think about and work on things that they are really passionate about, they're going to love that environment because most companies don't do that. So it's a great way not only to keep the companies you have, which is an issue, especially for tech companies. They, it's hard sometimes finding the right talent and getting them trained. So once you've got a really good person, you want them to stay and, and thrive in your organization. But it lets you attract some of the best people too. Some people who are in a, maybe an environment where their creativity is not rewarded and they're just told to, to do their job and fix this, develop this project. Mm. This gives them a, a, it gives you a, an edge in the hiring process and you know. mm. and I've found too when I've uh, been working with companies that uh, it's often the people that are doing the work that understand the issues and often have the solutions and and I think uh, we're, we've sort of inadvertently raised another issue, uh, issue there and that is the use of the word um, innovation you know sometimes it can be like almost a scary word you know oh gee you know I've got to be bright if I'm, if I'm going to be innovating and yet that's what the world is based on you know every company that's out there is a result of somebody identifying a problem and then finding a solution and in fact you know if we want to be a bit flippant about it that's marketing 101 find out what people need and sell it to them <laughs> we'll take a quick break and uh, get that microphone sorted out and then listeners I promise we're coming back to talk about protecting your intellectual property stay with us we'll be right back Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back, listeners. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I'm just fascinated with this because the word innovation has often stumped me. And really what we're looking at is is being creative, is looking for ideas to solve problems that we have, to create new products and services. And so for a lot of us, it's something that we do, uh, but it's not something that's necessarily encouraged in a lot of workplaces. And so Steve's really on a mission here to make sure that people in business are really creating a strategy around this so that we, we can make it part of the culture as well. And Steve, we've been talking about innovation strategies. We've talked about the three critical parts to an innovation strategy. We looked at some fun activities to help generate innovative ideas. We've looked at why it's important to create an innovative culture. So let's come back around now and, and look at when do companies need to start thinking about protecting their intellectual property? Well, the, the short answer is before they need it. <laughs> um, and the, I say that because I've worked with so many companies where they they bring us in after something bad has happened. Uh, they've, they've been sued for patent infringement or something like that. And it, it's frustrating to me because if they if we could back it up a couple years and, and they get started a little bit sooner, then... They can, they can have the intellectual property portfolio and have their innovation plan in place, and it's already been producing results for them. So, so for example, for intellectual property, uh, to get a patent application issued by the U.S. Patent Office takes several years, typically. So if, if you want to build a, a portfolio of, of patents to protect your ideas and to hopefully fend off some overly aggressive competitors who might want to file lawsuits, you need to get started sooner rather than later and we, we had a situation where we had just started working with a company we've been working for them less than two months and they hired us to come in and help kind of boost their innovation program and start building an intellectual property portfolio because they were a tech company they knew it was important and we were helping them with, with trademarks to be sure they were uh, protecting their key uh, product names and things and unfortunately, the company had been around for five years, but they had never bothered to file a patent application or, or do anything down those roads. And shortly after we started working with them, they were sued by a competitor. And they were in a, a difficult situation because they didn't have this portfolio, which can be defensive. Just because you have patents or trademarks doesn't mean you have to go out and enforce them against people. They can be for defensive purposes. And in this situation, the, probably part of the reason that the company got sued is because they had no patents. They were starting to to get bigger and starting to <laughs> take some customers from their big competitor who had a lot of money, had a lot of intellectual property, and they fought back. <clears throat> the, the competitor did. Mm -hmm. And if they had started a few years earlier and, and had some patents, it gives them a little bit more negotiating power and sometimes they, it can avert a lawsuit. So if, if there's a competitor out there and they want to make an example of somebody, they'd rather fight with somebody who doesn't have intellectual property to you know, hit back. So that's what they did to our client. And it, it was expensive. They, the company survived. They were able to get the litigation settled. But what they had to do to survive it was go out and buy some existing patents for a premium price um, so that they had kind of some negotiating power. They now had patents that 
could be asserted against this other company. So then all of a sudden the negotiations got a little bit more balanced. So kind of a, a long answer to your question, but um, don't wait. There's, there's so many companies out there that, that often think well, innovation doesn't apply to us. Uh, intellectual property doesn't matter for us. Um, and he, that even happens with tech companies. They get so uh, innovative or they, they just keep coming up with new ideas so fast. They're like, well, even if somebody copies this one or whatever, we, we just come up with the next idea. We're coming up with ideas so fast. We're so good at this. Uh, we don't need to waste time and money on, on intellectual property. But that's not true. It's a, it's a, it's a critical asset. And it's important to investors. If you ever want to have investors in your company, they're going to look at your intellectual property assets. If you watch some of these uh, investment shows like Shark Tank and some of those, um, the investors want to know, have you protected what's proprietary to your company? Whether it's a, a trademark on your name or your, your, your product name, or have you patented something unique that's in your uh, business procedures or in your, your product line? So mm. putting it off to the future, <laughs> I've, I've seen firsthand that it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. it, it can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And for for people that have, like I've got Australia's business systemizer, I've uh, trademarked that, and um, but I wouldn't know really if somebody else was using that at all, you know. Um, so what would you say to that for people if they've got the intellectual property and they have protected it? Is it something that you need to be doing to be, you know, trawling to, to make sure that nobody else is using it or do you just have that as part of your portfolio? So should we be concerned, Steve, about other people using it? Should we be looking for that? For, for your trademarks, it's not a bad idea to keep watch in case somebody starts using a product exactly like yours because, a, a, I mean, a product name or a logo or something like that. Because a trademark is designed to protect your brand identity, so for your your company identity or, or your personal identity, if, if you're an expert in your field, then you really want to keep tabs on that because if somebody else is using it improperly or you also, also want to keep watch for somebody making disparaging remarks about your trademark. So it can be something as simple as a, a Google search periodically, just whatever your key trademark is, are other people using it? Where else does it show up, um, either in, in social media or anything else that you might search on, on Google? For patents, that becomes a lot more complex. You don't necessarily want to be or have to be out there looking for other people. It, it, part of it, it's, that gets a lot more strategic and a lot more legal as far as what you're using your patents for, okay. as far as defensive versus offensive. Okay, great. And you have a gift for our listeners today, so could you describe that? And uh, we need to be mindful of the time here, so uh, let us know where they can access that. Sure. I've created an innovation checklist, which is a bunch of different activities that you can do to help um, start generating innovations in your own business. And there's also a quick start guide that goes with it to kind of get you started depending on where you're at in your business process. And you can get that at Innovation Checklist. Dot com. And that's a free download. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Well, it's that time already and I want to thank you so much, Steve, for sharing today. I know I certainly learned a lot about innovation, having a strategy and linking that to our intellectual property and ultimately increasing our income. 
it was a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you, Shirley. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate the time. Yeah. So listeners, thanks so much for joining us again this week. I trust you enjoyed today and are taking away some tips and strategies to implement, again, in order to continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. 
Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.